Welcome to Let's Connect. My name is Keith McPherson, and I'm so glad you've decided to join me for this next episode. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by a conscious relationship coach. Jessica Hendrick is here to share with us some tips, some tools, and some ways to be in relationship with each other as we journey through our lives. So sit back, relax, and let's connect. It's an exciting day here on Let's Connect because we are going to be, for the first time, speaking with a relationship coach on the program. Jessica Hendrick is here, and I recently encountered her through a mutual friend of ours, and she is coming on the podcast today to speak about a topic that I am quite passionate about myself, uh, relationships. She works as a conscious relationship coach in the field of life coaching, and she helps couples move through... um, all of their issues and living their best lives. So this will be a really interesting conversation today to get her perspective on how we can become more attuned to the relationships that we're engaging with as we go through our day. Uh, Before we get to the conversation at hand, I also wanted to just let you guys know that recently I put out a meditation called a Meta Meditation. It's a, a free meditation download at my website, keithmcpherson.ca. And speaking of relationships, I think it's timely to, to let you know about this because a meta meditation is all about compassionate loving kindness with ourself and the world around us. And this meditation, I really encourage you to download it and to, to go through it. It's, it guides you into creating a really heartfelt space with yourself and all of your loved ones around you. And I'd love to hear how it goes if you do end up trying it out. Um, also, with that being said, I want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And uh, stay in touch. If you have guest ideas, I'd love to hear them. Um, I'd love to hear feedback as well on guests that I have had on that have uh, influenced and inspired you as well. And um, let's jump into the conversation. I'm so excited to hear what we have to learn today about conscious relationships. So without further ado, please meet Jessica Hendrick. I think this is the first time I've had a relationship coach especially a conscious relationship coach on the podcast. Jess is here with us. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Keith. Yeah, this is um, a topic I'm so excited to dive into is relationships and uh, what it's like to be a coach on that side of the fence as well. And also your life story. There's like so much to talk about. This could be a series, actually. But uh, just to get people acquainted with the work you do, um, I, you call yourself a conscious relationship coach. And I'd love to just get your perspective on what exactly is that? Sure, I would love to explain. So conscious relationships kind of shift the paradigm with which we look at relationships. So rather than thinking of a relationship as something that is going to make us happy or meet our needs, or provide some sort of like fulfillment. It's more looking at a relationship in terms of our own expansion and our own growth. So conscious relationship would be entering into a relationship or having a relationship with someone who facilitates your own expansion and your own growth and using it in that way versus looking to it as a way to have fulfillment in your life. Wow. Does that make sense? 
It does make sense. And it sounds like a huge leap from how most of us have been wired. <laughs> oh, it is. It's definitely a rewiring. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. And hopefully we'll hear some of this as this unfolds today. But just the the idea that so many people probably go into relationship with just completely different intentions than what a conscious relationship coach would be cheering them on for. Yeah. Right. And and that's why I really am clear when, when I have calls with people and explaining that what it means to relate in a conscious way is just to understand that any relationship you have in your life, whether it's with a partner or with a coworker or with a boss, all of it can be used to learn more about yourself and show you something about yourself. So in that way, all of them are valuable and really our, our journey is with ourself on this planet. We're the only one that's with ourself for our entire life. Mm. So when we look at it in that way, we can kind of release these kind of societal expectations or programming that a relationship is supposed to, you know, meet our needs or make us happy or, you know, for a lot of women, like be a knight in shining armor. That's kind of a setup for failure, if you ask me. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of failed relationships too, just coming in from that perspective. This is uh, fascinating. I can just hear in the way that you speak about this, that you've done a lot of work yourself. And it, I, I think that's really what makes a coach a, a really um, amazing coach, someone that's done that work. And on your site, it says, uh, you say, my life has been a case study <laughs> and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've been through it all in my relationships. I'd love to hear a bit of your backstory about this and just to share with the listeners. How did you arrive oh, here? Gosh. Take me back. Yeah. Okay. I'll take you back. So, I mean, I have, I have so many specific stories that I could share, but the gist of it is that I spent a lot of my life um, my just searching for love and acceptance and value in other people and through romantic relationships. And let me tell you, that is quite a roller coaster because when we place our power and our value outside of ourselves, that's very dangerous because we're giving our power away to someone else. And so it would look like if if I was dating someone and I felt like it was going well, I would be super excited, really happy, kind of high on life. And then if it didn't work out, I would be devastated. It was like the core of who I am as a human being was, was like shattered because I was so attached to having this external validation from a partner. And it was really, really painful. And I really see it now as part of my development, like you said, because I wouldn't be able to coach people through these kind of challenges if I hadn't been through them myself. So I think it was almost like a training program for me in a sense, mm. um, but it, it was awful. It was painful. It was awful. Um, and I had a breaking point where I was in a very toxic relationship that was on again, off again, up and down. You know, he was very wishy-washy about what he wanted. And when that ended, that was it for me. I had this moment of just on my knees in the dark night of the soul, like just done. And I said, there has to be another way. I don't see the other way, but there, this can't be the way. This just is too painful. Wow. So that was kind of the catalyst for my, for my growth and expansion where I started to do things differently. Wow. That's incredible. I, uh, there's so many pieces in there. I'm curious just when, when you talk about before and after that breaking point before it, like 
how did you do, like, and, and I'm, I'm sure you're speaking on behalf of so many people in our world beyond just your story. Like, how do we get into that space where we feel like we need somebody outside of ourselves to make us happy? Like, how did that? That is an excellent question, Keith. <laughs> so I think it's a combination of a bunch of things. I think from the time we're really little, the programming from society is such that you know, happily ever after, like in the fairy tales that we watch as kids. And that in itself is kind of creating this program in our brain and our subconscious that our happiness exists outside of ourselves. Like we need a prince or we need a a princess or the perfect partner in quotes um, to come and and save us from our own despair. Right. Mm. And it's really disempowering. And then On top of it, I feel like just in society, the way that we're looked at as human beings, like you're valuable if you have a partner and doesn't matter the quality of the relationship, doesn't matter, you know, are you both helping each other expand and grow? And are you creating this beautiful, healthy connection? No, it's like, oh, you're like, for me, for example, I had many years in my early thirties where people would say, oh, you're not married. Oh, you better hurry up. Like it's like this thing where and it it felt really awful, but I got to the point where I don't I stopped caring. (laughs) But I have a lot of clients that are really stressed out because they're in their 30s and they're thinking, like, okay, and people are saying things to them. When is it gonna happen for you? Why aren't you married? So it's it's a lot coming at us to reinforce that belief system. Right. Yeah, that society pressure. I can totally sense that. And so what has life been like for you since that catalyst moment where it was like, okay, I'm on my knees in the dark night of the soul and I'm ready for a change. I don't even know what it's going to be. I mean, what has life been like for you since then? So honestly, it wasn't easy at first. Um, I, I really had to go through the pain of the grief of kind of letting go of the old version of myself, of that version that needed someone, something outside of myself to be happy. It can be painful for us to let go of these patterns because they're almost a part of our identity, like ingrained with who we think we are. So I had support. Uh, I had I had therapy. I worked with coaches. And I, I just had a lot of little epiphanies along the way. And I feel like if you're willing if you're willing to see it differently, you don't have to know the path. You don't have to know the exact plan or outline. Just take the first step. And I learned to really check in with myself and what do I need? And it's not going to be found in like the arms of a man, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like that, that answer that I, that's what I thought was the answer. That's not the answer. Mm-hmm. So what is the answer? What I was going to just ask you, what is the answer? <laughs> so, I mean, I think ultimately we're here on this planet to evolve and grow in consciousness. And so any experience we have, whether it's painful or joyful or whatever it is, it all contributes to our own expansion as human beings. And so when we look at things in that way, we kind of take away the label of something being good or bad or right or wrong it's all for our own expansion. And I just kind of went on this journey. Um, I read so many books <laughs> and I just started going within. 
And rather than going outside of myself and like grasping for what I thought would help, I went inside of myself. Right. And just to clarify, like um, going within and reading books, I feel like there's a really fine line. Some people, I I call them like spirit junkies or consciousness junkies, you might call it, where you're kind of looking still outside of yourself by like going, I need this book to help me solve my problem. But I sense you're referring to when you say go inward. I'd love to hear what that means to you. Yeah, that's a really good point because I think a lot of us can get caught up with still seeking the answers outside of ourselves, even when we're on this path of self-discovery and making someone else our guru or our God or whatever word you want to use. But I think, you know, if we have the intention within our our heart and our soul and our mind of expanding, Mm -hmm. then we can use these things as tools. So the books for me were just bringing me back to what I already knew within myself if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And when you say within yourself, I'm curious that connection too. What what is that for you when when you how do you know when you're going within? Uh, that's a good question. I'm trying to think of how to put it into words. I was actually talking with a friend of mine about this last night. Um just in terms of everything that's going on in the world right now and what is the answer. Yeah. And I'm not saying I have I have the answer, but what I would suggest or maybe invite people to do is really go within in terms of like checking in with yourself Mm. and just finding what is your truth like what brings you peace what brings you you know happiness joy because if everyone did that if everyone kind of looked within and if you're operating from a place of fear or scarcity or lack or discord it's going to create more chaos, right? So it's up to us to figure out, okay, what is happening in my life that's creating this outcome? Mm. Does that make sense? It does. It really does. And as you're saying it, I'm thinking about um, just by, I was thinking, I was having this vision of you journaling or people journaling to those questions, like what truly makes me happy? And uh, this phrase came up to me, like there's nothing outside of myself that's going to truly satisfy or fulfill me. Is that true? Right. And, <laughs> like, what's your I mean, thought on that? I think I think things outside of ourselves can support us in our happiness. Like, I'm, we do live in the in the physical world, and we have, you know, experiences in the physical world. And for me, I love, you know, creating connections with people and having deep friendships and having conscious conversations that lights me up. Like, this is the kind of thing that really lights me up. Yeah. Um, being on a podcast like this and having this conversation. Me too. And. <laughs> Yeah, I I just love it. Uh, So I think it's totally fine to get pleasure out of these external things. But when we start to link our value with it, that's where we kind of start to lose our power. Uh, Because we are, we're innately valuable and innately lovable because we exist. And we don't need something outside of ourselves, whether it's a partner, or, you know, a certain amount of money or whatever, to be valuable or lovable. I love that. I love it. I'm I'm feeling are you familiar with Louise Hay? She's just Oh my gosh, I love Louise Hay. Do you? She's oh. my favorite. Yeah. I, I just felt like she dropped into our conversation. She's just like we're lovable just the way we are. Like that energy. Yes. It's it, funny that you brought up Louise Hay because um in our in the questions that we prepared or you sent me for the podcast, you asked me what teachers or 
what kind of guided me along my path. And she was the number one. Oh I my said. goodness. Well, that was the next question yeah. on my list too, was who were some of the greatest teachers in your life, Jess? And so Louise, hey, what, <laughs> what was it for you about Louise that was um, that put her in that category of greatest teacher? Well, she was basically the person who led me back to myself um, with her book, You Can Heal Your Life. So yeah. I highly recommend that book. The reason why I love her and I aspire to kind of channel her and use her use her teachings in my coaching is because she makes the concepts very simple and very understandable and easy for people to access. And she kind of just talks about the power of the subconscious and how when we change our thinking, we can change our lives because whatever we believe in our mind, in our consciousness, we are going to project it out into the world and it will be mirrored back to us in the form of experiences. So that's where our power lies. If we can change the way we look at things, I think that's a Wayne Dyer quote, but <laughs> when we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. Absolutely. You're speaking about my mm -hmm. two favorite mentors as well. <laughs> I'm right with Love you. It. Um, Love I, it. When you talk about this idea of changing the subconscious beliefs, which is a lot of what Louise does. And I sense you do too. Like when it comes yeah. to, to shifting subconscious beliefs um, and especially in relationships, like in relationships, how do we do that? How do we actually shift the subconscious mm. beliefs we've been carrying? So in a, in a nutshell, it's about kind of repetition, 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 because we are literally rewiring the brain. So when we think about where our subconscious beliefs come from, so between the ages of, of zero and seven, we're like little sponges. And all of the experiences that we have create the framework or the filter through which we view the world. And many of those beliefs serve us, like how to ride a bike, brushing our teeth, you know, those kind of things are awesome. We don't have to think about it. And the thing with the subconscious is it it basically controls over 95% of our daily function. Mm -hmm. So when we think about these beliefs that we've created, a lot of them serve us, some of them don't. And the inner critic in our minds that says things like, you know, I'm not enough, or I'm not worthy, or I have to be, you know, this in order to deserve love. Those are the beliefs that we want to uncover, and kind of figure out where did they come from? And just kind of release the power underneath the belief. And from there, we can choose a new belief to replace it with. Wow. So it's a process that I take people through. And it does take a minute because when you think of how many years you've been running the program of, you know, I'm not enough or I need a man to be valuable or a woman or it takes a minute, but it is absolutely possible. And then we, we, create new pathways. It's like creating a new road, new neurons in the brain and keep reinforcing it, reinforcing it. And it doesn't mean that the old beliefs aren't going to sneak up once in a while, but we have awareness around them now. So when we hear that, oh, I'm not enough. I have to be, it's like, oh, the subconscious running the show. And we kind of just have awareness around it and observe it without making it a part of our identity. Mm, I'm curious if there's like, uh, when you're working with clients to really shift that and lock it in, um, be like rep, repeat, repeat, repeat for sure. And yeah. how do you like, are there any tools or exercises that you could recommend that like really helps us lock it in? 
like in terms of that? So it, it really comes back to kind of showing up for yourself and making yourself your top priority. So checking in with what do you need on a day-to-day basis and then giving it to yourself because a lot of us um, didn't really get what we needed as children and the family that we grew up in. Mm-hmm. Most of us didn't. And it's not to make anyone bad or wrong. And it's not to blame anyone. It's just to have awareness around. Like for me specifically, I didn't really get what I needed in terms of emotional connection from my parents. So now it's up to me. I can keep running that program of like, nobody understands me. No one hears me. Da, 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 da. Or I can create, I can be so aware of what I need that I create around me those kind of connections. So with my friendships, we have really deep conversations and connection and intimacy and what I didn't have as a kid, I have I create now for myself. Wow. By simply surrounding yourself with what it is that you do want. Right. And there's there's a lot of different tools. And with my clients, we get really clear. It's very individualized approach where we get clear on what do they want to create? What do you want your life to look like? Mm. And kind of from there, how can we support you in that vision? So we're kind of releasing the old, we're releasing what's not working, and then we have to replace it with something. Otherwise, the brain's going to want to go back to the old way because right. it's the grooved in, easier way, easier in quotes, way. So we want to give the brain something else to focus on because what we focus on expands and grows. Wow. Isn't that fascinating? I, I'm curious too, just in the context of relationships, because we're talking a lot about the individual work. But um, yeah. you know, I, I can really relate. One of the reasons I was so drawn to your work too is just I could have used you about 10 years ago when I was in like this <laughs> super toxic relationship. And you know, at the time I didn't even realize it was I was in one. Like it, it took me mm-hmm. forever to figure that out. And I'm just curious like how do you know when you're in a, how do you know when you're in a toxic relationship if you're unconsciously not aware of it yeah that's a good question so i think you know toxic well first of all it's important to recognize that when we come together in relationship by the very nature of it being that close to another person your stuff your past your whatever you have yet to heal will come up So I have to say that. And that is why conscious relationship actually works because things come up and then you learn the tools to use it to grow. Wow. Yeah. So that's why shifting, that's why shifting the paradigm of the way that we look at relationships. And if we look at them as a tool to grow and expand as an individual, it will serve us greatly because no matter what, when we come together, we feel that attraction our stuff is going to come up and it's going to create challenges, let's say. (laughs) And so here's the thing with the, with the toxicity, two people can come together and bring their stuff from their past, from their childhood to that relationship and create a very toxic dynamic. And it doesn't mean that they're bad people or that, you know, they're not loving or whatever. It's just their past dynamics are bumping up against each other and it really creates a challenge. And if you think about anything in life, like to make a diamond, like it has to be kind of banged up and polished and all of it to make it into this beautiful, brilliant stone, right? 
And same thing with a butterfly. Um, when a caterpillar goes into the cocoon, it literally bashes itself up against the side of the cocoon to make itself into a pulp to then reform into a butterfly. So these dynamics can be used to grow closer and to create deeper levels of connection and intimacy. And that is my goal um, when I work with people and for myself in my own life. But that being said, if you're in a cycle, I was on a call with a client yesterday and him and his partner are just in this cycle of the same argument and the same stuff coming up and they just go in circles, 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 circles over and over again. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, I would say we have a couple of options. I would say I would really recommend getting some outside help, whether it's a coach or therapy, someone that feels check in with yourself, see who feels aligned with you. Um, otherwise, if you're being taken out of your peace, if you're in a dynamic that you're in fight or flight all the time, you can't grow and expand as a human being because you're constantly just coming back down from the, the latest argument or the latest conflict. So if that happens, for me personally, I, I wouldn't stay in the relationship because it's not serving your growth or their growth or the, the relationship as an organism in itself. Mm, got it. I'm curious, Is do you think in your belief system and what you've experienced as a coach, do you believe that there's such thing as like the perfect partner for somebody that's going to match them to grow them to do this work or uh, is there misalignment? Yeah. So I think it can be kind of a dangerous idea that there's like this perfect person or this dream person and living in LA and being in the dating world in LA, especially, I really witnessed a lot of kind of onto the next, onto the next, like, Oh, there, there was a little problem with this person. I'll just date someone else, you know? And the funny thing is we bring ourselves with us wherever we go. So eventually you realize, Oh, wait a second. That dynamic is here with this person and with the next person. And so this is what I'm saying of whatever's within us that's that's ready to be healed is going to come forward, whether with this person or the next. So I think the concept of the perfect person that fits you like a puzzle piece, yeah, it sounds great. Sounds like a perfect fantasy. And that's kind of what it is, is a fantasy, in my opinion. Mm. Um, but I do think whoever we attract is the perfect match for us at the time, because we attract whoever is at our level of consciousness. So whoever's going to mirror to us what it is within us that we have to heal, we will attract that person. So in that way, it is a dream or a perfect match, but probably not in the way a lot of people think. <laughs> wow. But that is such an, I've never heard that perspective. That's really incredible. You know, I've heard about the yeah. law of attraction and, you know, life is mirroring us, but this idea of the perfect person is actually in that context. Whoa, that's incredible. I, I, I'm also curious about that. Like so often I think people look at this from a perspective of that person's doing it to me or this is a, mm. you know, but what I'm understanding as I'm hearing you speak is a lot of this has to do with the individual that's uh, in the relationship themselves. What's your take on that? Right. Yeah. So this is a very delicate conversation that I have with, with clients and with people, because basically, you know, it, it can be very um, disturbing to kind of realize, wait a second, I'm the one that's, that's creating this, 
issue or this problem, or I'm at least playing a part in it. Mm -hmm. It's not them doing it to me Mm -hmm. because ultimately we have agency over our own lives. We decide what we allow into our life. So I have a couple right now and it's the, the, they're going through that same cycle and, and she's saying, well, he, he keeps doing this, this, and this. And he's saying, well, I'm not willing to stop doing this, this, and this. And so at that point, you have a, you have a choice. You have a conversation and you request kind of, you, you share from a conscious place your perspective. So this is what I'm feeling. This is what it brings up for me. This is what it reminds me of from my past. And this is what I would like to create in the relationship. So you just have this conversation without expecting the other person to change. And the other person can decide, okay, does that sound like something I could do? Can I meet you there? Or do I want to stay doing what I'm doing? Mm. And so in, and then from that place, the person making the request has to decide, okay, does this work for me or does it not? And that's where boundaries come in. But I'm just also thinking about the dynamic of marriage, to be honest Mm -hmm. here. And just, Mm -hmm. I mean, what happens in this scenario? And I mean, we're seeing divorce rates are like through the roof these days, especially with COVID. I understand there's like a, the longest lineup at the end of the, you know, when everything opened up was the the courthouse to like go for divorce. I was reading an article. It's like, I'm curious about your perspective on marriage. Like, is this, um, Mm -hmm. you know, this is a real traditional thinking or is this something that you think is uh, attainable and we should stick with? It's really funny that you say that, Keith, because I was listening to a podcast or not a podcast, um, a YouTube video last night about this concept of marriage. And I'm exploring that within myself right now, to be honest. And from a conscious relationship perspective, basically, the purpose of any relationship, as I mentioned, is really to use it as a tool to grow and expand. And you can create this beautiful organism together, like a relationship is kind of its own organism. You can create it, co-create it with your partner and have a really beautiful partnership. And I think for me, that's what I want in my life Mm -hmm. and everyone's different. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that being said, I don't know if you follow Abraham Hicks or not. Yep, I do. Um, Okay. So... He, she (laughs) talks about the best marriage vows that we could ever have are, I like you pretty good. Let's see how this goes. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And that to me is kind of challenging even today, my own thinking about, okay, what does it mean to, to have a marriage and a partnership and the whole idea of, you know, if it doesn't last for a lifetime, that it's failed, who says? Yeah. Like all of these societal constructs, you know, maybe you came together for a time and you really contributed to each other's evolution and growth. Maybe you had some children, who knows? And maybe now it's no longer serving either of you. And who says that that is a failure? Right. That, so I really think we need to challenge the programming around it. And know that in honoring ourselves and living a life that's true to ourselves, that's really, that's the key to peace and the key to being content in life. So it's a really multi-layered subject. 
Yeah. It just kind of opened up as we were talking in my mind. I didn't even think to put it on our question list is for the podcast, yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just like being with it in the moment here. And I'm thinking about how many people stay in the marriage because that's just what you're supposed to do versus really like mm-hmm. listening to, well, what, what exactly is this relationship doing for me? Is it serving me? And is it serving us, the greater us too? Yeah. Right. And that's, so I, I practice what I preach. So I also work with coaches and I had the, the, the pleasure of working with this beautiful couple who are their husband and wife, Rudy and Kelly Castro, and they teach conscious relationship principles. And my partner and I did coaching with them. And basically, you know, the most important thing is not to not have conflict, but when you have conflict to repair the conflict. Mm. and to know how to, to learn the tools to do that in a very loving, conscious, self-aware way versus like pointing the finger, you did this to me, da 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 because that will only create more conflict, right? right? Yeah, it's like fueling so the fire. There's a, <laughs> exa- it, exactly, and that's how they explain it is over the years, if you're, if you're married or if you're together for many years and you have like a tiny little conflict, a tiny little fire, Then you have another fire and another fire and little fires all over the place. And all of a sudden, the entire house is on fire because you never extinguished the first fire. Wow. So this is why it's really, really important as couples, we are going to have conflict. We are going to, with two different people, with two different childhoods and two different levels of wounding, basically. So you're going to have times where you bump up against the other's wounding and not meaning to, but it's just the nature of partnership. But learning how to repair it and move forward and grow stronger from it is, I believe, the key to having a healthy, fulfilling relationship. Wow. That takes a lot of commitment and work and perhaps some consciousness <laughs> as well. <laughs> oh my gosh. It is no joke. Yeah. It is no joke. Wow. It is a lot of work and it is a, it's a commitment to yourself and to your partner. Uh Yeah, it's a lot. I'm curious to, as you're speaking, just on a whole other note about attraction. And it's interesting to me when people have been in a relationship, let's take like high school sweethearts, they've been together for years. Mm -hmm. And like at some point, like you might fall out of the attraction phase with somebody, right? What do you Mm -hmm. do in those scenarios? Do you, do you stay in it? Do you try your best or do you like, what's your suggestion to a couple like that? Well, Okay, a couple things. Um, the first thing is, you know, in the initial stages of the relationship, the, the attraction that we feel is a lot of chemicals mm-hmm. and hormones and things flowing, which can kind of impact our judgment. Yes. <laughs> so that's kind of the honeymoon stage, I guess you would say. And also, I would inv- something that kind of blew my mind is the people that we're attracted to are, are the perfect people that will bring up our, our yet-to-be-healed wounds. Mm. So that pull that we feel, that relationship I mentioned that brought me to my knees, there was a very, very strong magnetic pull on both sides. And now I can see, well, it was because I had tons of learning. Like that relationship, it was so painful, but it really accelerated my growth in terms of everything, every aspect of my life, my own consciousness, 
honoring myself, et cetera. So I think that attraction, when we feel that pull, if it's really, really strong, it means there's a lot that's going to come forward. So in my life, I had to find a balance between the really intense pull and just more of like a, I feel drawn to you, but it's not this like magnet thing. Uh, How do you know the difference? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's individual, but I, I know I've had enough conversations with people to know that they know the pull, that pull feeling. Mm-hmm. And um, in terms of how do you make the attraction last, I mean, you do want to be physically attracted to the person you're with. So for me, the deeper the, deeper the connection you create, the deeper the level of intimacy, the stronger the attraction usually is. Wow. So when you're committed to growing together and learning about each other and really giving to the relationship, like watering a plant every day, you know, like we take our cars to get repaired, you know, however many months, but we don't do the same thing with our relationships. And I would invite anyone listening to really, if you're in partnership, set, you know, a non-negotiable time whether it's every day or once a week to check in with your partner and just like, how, how's it going? How are you feeling about this connection? Is there anything you feel like you're needing? Is there anything coming up for you? Just have these conversations preemptively. Mm. And that really helps to kind of maintain the connection. And then the attraction comes from that space. Mm, That's such great advice. I'm curious how you find the balance too, between, um, being in relationship, but making sure that you don't lose yourself in the relationship? Yeah. So that's a really good question too. And I think just taking it day by day, because we need to be adjusting all the time in all areas of our lives. Right. So for me, I learned how to relate in a completely different level than I've been doing for most of my life. So even now in my partnership, I have to check in and say, okay, what do I need right now in order to show up for myself first? Mm. Because showing up for myself, meeting my own needs is going to make me a better partner mm. and a better friend and a better daughter and a better sister, you know? So I have to check in with myself and really give myself what I'm needing and communicate it with my partner. So I have to tell him, you know, I really need some time to meditate or I need some alone time. Mm-hmm. And he knows where it's coming from too. So I'm not just like pushing him away. Like I need space. It's like, <laughs> no, I need this because I know how to take care of myself, but yeah. I need the space to take care of myself. If that makes sense. But what happens in the scenario when your partner pushes back and says, no, I, I know that's your need, but yes. no, <laughs> what, what do you do then? This is so amazing, Keith, because this literally was what happened with my clients yesterday. Oh, wow. So I was t- I was talking. This always happens, though. It's perfectly aligned. Yeah. Um, so the, the man who I was speaking with yesterday, he said, you know, I tell her, I tell her, I can't do this right now. I need some space. I need to get away and just, you know, collect myself. And she says no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. And, and what happens in that case, there's no judgment. What happens in that case is literally her wounding is coming up with her abandonment and things like that. And her little inner child is saying, don't leave me, don't leave me. Mm. So it's, it's very real for people, that, that feeling. And then he is feeling his stuff coming up, which is around 
people are smothering me. People are telling me what to do. Like I have to get out of here. So this is what I mean by when you come together in partnership, stuff comes up. So, so I talked with him and I, I talked with him about how it's really important to know that, you know, you're responsible for your own well-being. She's responsible for her own well-being. And so what do you need? What do you need in this moment? Like, let's put her over here for now. Mm-hmm. What do you need? And then you have to communicate to her what you need and set a boundary. Uh-huh. And so I told them, when you're calm, have a conversation and let her know, okay, when we get to this state of this circular argument and we're getting triggered and we're getting reactive, I have to step away. It's the most loving thing I can do for myself and for you. Talk about it when you're not in the triggered state. And then when it happens again, which it will happen, you have to then hold the boundary. And that is the most challenging part. It's that rewiring again, where we do it differently. Mm -hmm. So it, it would look something like he would tell her, I love you. I have to step away. I'm coming back and step away wow. and hold the boundary. And, and, and then it feels to him like he's abandoning her. But here's the thing. We have to realize that, you know, that's a tricky kind of game that our ego mind plays on us, that this person needs us mm. for their well-being. Yes. She doesn't need him. She might think she does, but she doesn't. And by him kind of holding her up like a life raft kind of thing, it's not allowing her to see that she can soothe herself and comfort herself and feel empowered knowing she can meet her needs. She doesn't need him to soothe her. It almost feels like him standing in what he needs is actually going to, yeah. It's almost like a blessing or a a lesson for her to learn to be comfortable on her own is what I'm hearing. Exactly. And it is, it is not, I'm not saying it's not so challenging because it is. And these are patterns that we learned in childhood to kind of survive in our environment. Sure. So, so it's a rewiring where, Oh wait, he left. I'm okay. Still look at that. (laughs) It's like a, and the more we do that. So that's why in honoring ourselves, in him honoring himself and holding his boundary, he's honoring her as well. Cause she's, that happened with me. Like when I was on my knees, I had no one but myself, but guess what? That was the answer. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to be with me for the rest of my life. As you were saying earlier in the call, Mm -hmm. I'm curious about this piece, like children come into the mix is just something popping up where one couple really wants kids. The other doesn't, or they change their mind in the middle of the relationship. And it's like, I really like one of my needs to be fulfilled would be to be a parent. And the other's like, no way I've decided that's not going to happen. I mean, that's pretty extreme. Is that like a deal breaker? Do you think, or do you think that's repairable or salvageable? Like can be salvaged. (laughs) Keith, I think you have some sort of psychic ability because you're literally naming every single scenario of the clients that I'm working with right now. Really? They're all dropping in here. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. On that telepathic level. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) But okay. So a couple things. Um, Something that I think is very helpful if we have, if we have the, the chance when we're single is to get really clear about what our must-haves are. What are our must-haves in terms of what we want to create in relationship? What does that look like? Mm-hmm. Like, is it is it a partnership? Is it marriage? Does it include kids? You know, where do you want to live? What kind of neighborhood? Like, just get really clear, create a vision for yourself. 
What are the qualities of the partner that you want to attract? And all of that. I think if you have the chance to do that when you're single, amazing. Mm. Because then in the dating process, you can sort of determine, okay, does this, does this work for my vision or does it not? Right? So that's maybe an easier scenario. When you're already in the relationship. So I have clients right now. They've been together for years and she wants kids. He does not. And so this is what I told them. I said, I am happy to work with you as, as clients. I would love to work with you. And I just have to share with you that the intention of this work is really to get clear on what you want for your life as individuals. And it's not to try to change someone. So we're not trying to change wow. him to have, to have an epiphany. Oh, now I want kids. I'm like, if we go into that with, with that being the goal, it will fail. Wow. That's because, wise. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I had to, I had to lay that out there on the table. Like it has to be a journey between you and you as individuals. And then you come together in partnership and, and it may it may work out that you end up on the same page and it may not, but no matter what, it's not a loss because you learned so much mm -hmm. from the process of going into, you know, why do I want kids or why for him? Like, why doesn't he want kids? And, and is there, is it because for me personally, I know I've had a fear of recreating the same dynamic I grew up with. And so I haven't had kids yet. Mm. And so it's not that I don't want them per se, it's maybe something else. So in the exploration, we can uncover what is underneath it, what's underneath it for her, what's underneath it for him, and guide them to communicate as a couple their needs, their desires in a conscious, loving way, and kind of leave it up to, you know, the powers greater than us to determine yeah. what happens. What a beautiful way to look at that. It, it, when you say it in this context, it's like there really is no bad relationship to be in because it's all going to help us excavate into the depth of who we really are. So every everything is like helping us. Every relationship is helping us become who we are, learning who we are and like becoming who we're meant to yeah. be. It's It's pretty incredible hearing you speak in that way. Yeah. And it's really, really true. And we can, we can get caught up in a program that creates pain around it. Like if this person leaves me or if this person cheats on me, it means this about me. And it really doesn't. Right. It's really nothing to do with you. It's their relationship between them and them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Just like it's my relationship between me and me. Yeah. How do I show up? Um, so yeah, I feel like this way of looking at relationships can kind of free us in terms of like, there's no failure. Right. Wow. Incredible. I want to switch gears one more time with you. Um, this was coming up just before our, our podcast here, the interview. I was, I was mentioning to you just before we came on uh, this whole idea of, there's the cliche saying of, why is it um, <laughs> people say, when you're not in a relationship um, and you're not actually looking for the ideal partner, that's when they're going to show up. And I'm just curious, like, why that is? Why is that cliche in the world of just when you're not looking for it, it's yeah. going to show up? Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, this is this is my take on that, and I think it's kind of interesting. So, I personally, as I mentioned, spent many years like looking 
like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. Like, where's my partner? Where's my boyfriend? Where blah, blah, blah. Like that was my main focus. Mm-hmm. And it was miserable. Let me tell you, miserable. Um, and what I realized is we were always unconsciously giving off a vibe, like our energy kind of introduces us before we do, if you will. I love that. And yeah, so I was, and people in this state are kind of giving off this needy energy and people sense that. And it's kind of repelling, like, ugh, no, right. <laughs> and it doesn't matter how amazing of a person you are how funny, how smart, how attractive. It doesn't matter because if you give up that needy energy, it's going to repel people. So that's why when you aren't looking and you're just focused on yourself and you're just really kind of giving yourself what you need, you don't have that needy energy. Instead, you're kind of in an energy of flow. And also you're going to attract the relationship you have with yourself determines every other relationship in your life. Uh, So the healthier your relationship with yourself, you're going to attract people that mirror that back to you. So when I was in a- That's some motivation for people. (laughs) Right. Well, and that's the thing. So you, by working on yourself, by doing your inner work, getting clear on what you want to create and just honoring yourself, giving yourself what you need. It doesn't mean, you know, stop desiring to have a partnership, but just- if you can kind of bring your attention back to what do you need and give it to yourself, then when you do meet someone or someone's drawn into your life, it will flow much more easily because you don't need them. Mm, I love it. I'm curious about the uh, perspective to somebody that's just obsessed with, I need to find a partner. Um, how, and, and you're talking about, well, no, focus on yourself and work on yourself because you're going to improve and attract what you are, right? So just I'm yeah. curious, like, how do you, help somebody out of the obsession of, I need a partner. Like where, how do yeah. they, you can easily say, well, go focus on yourself, but that's easier yeah. said than done. How, how do you get oh, somebody, totally. how do you do that? How do you help people move into that space? <laughs> yeah. So we'll basically, you know, anyone who works with me, we have a call, an intro call to kind of discuss my philosophy and the way that I approach things, because there has to be a certain level of understanding that we attract what we are in the world. Mm. And so I would kind of invite them to uncover or explore where that comes from. Like, where does that belief come from that you need this partner or this person in order to, you know, be happy or feel loved? Like, and almost just like a little detective without judgment. Mm. Where does it come from? And we explore, we go back through past memories and really uncover what it is in the subconscious. And I, it always is related back to something in the past or something in our childhood where we created this association, like this equals this. So romantic partner equals love or equals value or whatever. And so they're kind of interlinked and we need to separate them and, and just be a little detective on where does that even come from? That belief. Mm -hmm. Because before before it's just an unconscious program. Like I need a partner, I need a partner, I need a partner. And it's like, well, let's just back up a little. Where does that even come from? (laughs) That's a great question. Yeah. I'm curious too, just like, as you're speaking about this, I'm trying to imagine myself as a fly on the wall, watching one of your sessions take place. And, uh, you know, for people that are listening right now, if they wanted to work with you, like what does a a session look like with you in the, the context of conscious relationship coaching? 
It's a really good question. So I work with people one-on-one mostly because our work is always with ourselves. So even if you're in relationship and you want to kind of create a a healthier dynamic, one-on-one work is really important because we want to figure out what's going on within you and your own consciousness. So I work with people for a period of 12 weeks and we really go into uncovering what are those beliefs that we created back in childhood or or from the past? Mm -hmm. Where did they come from? And just creating awareness around them first and then releasing the power surrounding the beliefs. So that could look like, you know, if I said to someone, where did you get the idea? Like where's somewhere in your past that, that gave you that information? You know, where did you feel like this before in your life? And they could go back and say, well, you know, my mom told me that when I grow up, I should get married and have kids or whatever it is. Sure. And they might have a specific memory around that. And some emotion might come up, some tears, some anger, whatever. And that's awesome because it means that we're really tapping into that memory in the cellular body Mm -hmm. and releasing the charge. And just creating awareness around the beliefs is everything because we can decide, wait, is that even mine? Or is that something society told me, my parents told me, et cetera. So we go through that process. We uncover the beliefs. It's usually some version of I'm not enough. I need X, Y, and Z to be valuable. I'm different. People don't understand me. I'm not seen. I'm not heard. It's that kind of a thing. Right. We uncover that. And then from there, we go into what do you want to create? Wow. And let's create a new set of beliefs and a new set of behaviors and tools and things to reinforce that vision for your life. And then it really comes into how bad do you want the change? If you want the change, you're going to implement all this. Wow. So that's why we work together for 12 weeks because it takes a minute. Like I said, (laughs) it takes a minute to kind of release those subconscious patterns. Sure. Absolutely. And so just out of curiosity, um, relationship coaching. So most of it's one-on-one. Is it ever uh, possible that the two come together in a session? Yeah. So I do work with couples as well. Um, I'm exploring that and kind of seeing how that goes. And even when I work with couples, the way we do it is we meet together, all of us together in the first session. And then the next is single, single. So the couple and then single, single couple, single, single, because like I said, the work is with ourselves as much as it is within the partnership. Mm. So I want to have people to have that space to really explore their own consciousness, their own beliefs without having to worry about what's going on with the person beside them. Sure. Jess, I could speak with you for like hours about this. (laughs) I'm just, I feel like I, I'm not running out of any questions here because there's so much depth to this topic. I, Although my podcast is running out of time here, I just want to thank you for being <laughs> on the show. The thing I'm appreciating so much about you and the work you're doing is it comes from such an authentically genuine place. And you show up so vulnerable, which I think just makes you such an outstanding coach. And I just really want to honor you for for showing up in this space in that authentic way and, you know, being, uh, I guess, courageous enough to be a case study initially and to just live into this purpose. And I just am so grateful that I've connected with you and the work you're doing on the planet is outstanding. 
Thank you so much, Keith. Yeah, I could talk about this. This is all I ever want to talk about. So <laughs> I, I really appreciate the chance to come on your podcast and just share. And everything I share is what's helped me in my own life. So if I can just reach even one person and help them to see things differently, that's the whole purpose, I think, of, of my life. So I appreciate the chance to come on and just share yeah. everything. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Everybody, go to jesshendrick.com. Whether you're in a relationship or not, I know you're going to get some serious um, inspiration spending time with Jess. So thank you again, Jess, for being here. Thank you so much, Keith. It was a pleasure. All right. Well, that concludes another episode of Let's Connect. And I just want to remind you to follow Jessica Hendrick at her website, jesshendrick.com, or her Instagram, jesshendrick111 is her handle at Instagram. Uh, Big thank you again to Jess for being on the show and sharing so much vulnerability and tips and tools about how we can have the strongest, best relationships with ourselves and the world around us. Until next time, everybody, have a wonderful week ahead, and I look forward to you joining me on the next episode of Let's Connect.